Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. Father, in our own hearts, in our own thinking, in, in our minds, in all our beings, we just picture you walking among your candlesticks, your church. You're the living one. You're the one that has risen from the grave. You're the one who bore our sins at Calvary long ago. And we are eternally grateful today. Father, as we come in this place, we are well aware of the trials and the problems that we face each day, but we are so thankful that because you are the living one, you understand our problems too, and you are able to speak and they'll be gone. You're able to give strength so we can go through them. You're able to do things that are impossible for man to do because you are God eternal and forever. Father, as we have gathered in the name of Jesus, we invite your Holy Spirit to touch each and every one of us, from the oldest to the youngest. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and purify our hearts where they need purified. We invite your Holy Spirit to, to help us to see Jesus more clearly than we ever have before. Father, we are in love with you this morning. There are no words that describe the depths of the love of the people who have gathered here. We only know one thing. We love you, Jesus. And in this place, as we worship you, it's a sign of love. And Father, we would take our arms and we would wrap them around you and ask you to speak to us this morning. And as you speak, we don't want to let go of you, Lord. We want to hear every word you have to say. And Father, we would pray this morning for any in this room who may not know you yet. Lord, use your Holy Spirit to bring conviction and hope, repentance, and help them to know you. Oh, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we'll go ahead and have, uh, you guys can be seated, but we'll have our kids stay standing. And if you guys want to file out the middle row here, uh, we have your teachers down here. Miss Stephanie uh, leads you down to the junior church. And at this time, we will turn the service over to Pastor Dan. Where's the camera located? Right there. Okay, so you need to stay in this area. Okay, gotcha. No, it's okay. <laughs> I love this pulpit you have here. I've seen all kinds of pulpits through the years, but you know what I like about this pulpit? 
it has something that most pulpits don't have. It has no drawers to hide all the junk in. You'd be surprised how many pulpits you can open up and you'll find bulletins that are 10 years old in there. And uh, I'm glad to see the way this is. I like this. I am so thankful to be here this morning. <clears throat> if you haven't caught, my name is Dave Peters. I'm a child of God. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've known him for 52 years. I preached my first sermon over 50 years ago. And I hope I can still preach a little bit today. But I have to tell you as I come in here that God has done a special work in my life, especially since I retired. I have been anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life and to be empowered to do his will wherever he sends me. Now, I'm not bragging about that. But what you need more today than a preacher up here who is anointed is you need to experience like that early church experience on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and baptized them from above. And we need that more than anything else. Everywhere I go, I see people who love Jesus. And I also see people who uh, feel kind of lukewarm. They feel like, well, what's the use? Well, our church across this country and around the world, really, need more than anything else is for the Holy Spirit to send his wind and blow upon us and bring us into a new sense of holiness like we've never experienced before. I believe that with all my heart. I have to tell you something else. I can hardly wait in the morning to get out of bed. Now, I have to admit, the last couple of days was a little bit of a struggle. But most days, I'm awake from 5 to 6 o'clock. I'm usually up by 6 o'clock. And what has happened in the last few years, God has has gotten me into the scriptures in a depth that I've never been in before. And I, th I suppose that's because I'm not doing sermons three, four, five, six times a week or, or something like that, but it's just my own personal study with the Lord. And several years ago, just as I was getting ready to retire, the Lord spoke to me. Do you know God speaks to us? He really does. Some people sometimes they say, you know, I don't, I've never heard God speak. If you would read the word, you would hear God speak because this is God's word. But one day, a number of years ago, just before I retired, the Lord spoke to me, and I knew his voice. We ought to know the voice of the Spirit when he speaks to us. And his voice said very clearly, David, not that David, this David, David, I want you to study the Psalms. I knew it was from God. And I began to study the Psalms. First, I did the ignorant stuff. The first thing I did was I went and looked for all the commentaries I could find on the Psalms. What I needed to do was just get right into the Psalms and see what God has to say. I've had to unlearn some things through the years. But since that time, it takes about, if you take one Psalm a day, it takes about six months to get through them. And in that six months, of course, you're going to get Psalm 119 that has 178 Psalms. Uh, verses, rather, and that takes about six months it'll take you. And I've been through it over and over, and once I get through it, I, I start over, and what has happened is brought me into other scriptures, too, all through the Bible. And every day when I get up, I want to hear God speak to me. And I can hardly wait to get over to the kitchen table, not just to eat. I get my oatmeal out. I get my 
coffee, ready? And I sit there, and I open it up, and I'm in the presence of God. Don't you want to be in the presence of God? There's nothing like the Word of God to bring you into the presence of God. And I love that. I love Jesus more now than I did when I first started out 50-some years ago. There's a day that goes by, I don't say thank you, Lord, for something. And yes, there are the hard times. We all have those, don't we? But you know what? Jesus gives peace. And when you're looking at his word, you're believing his word, guess what happens to you? You have the peace that passes all understanding. And it's a great experience. And I love being retired. I really do. I love it. The Lord keeps me busy. In fact, tomorrow I have a Bible study I conduct, and then I'm at another Bible study on Thursday, and I'm just having a, a great time just loving the Lord. On the Thursday one, I don't have to do a thing. I just go in and listen, and I grow. On the Monday one, we're looking at the book of Revelation. That's a challenge. And we're growing. And there's a bunch from the Hubbard Church that are attending that, as well as other churches too. But I want to get into the Word today. I want to get deep into the word today. Do you remember when Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth? The word had spread about the things that he was doing. People were getting their sight back. They were walking. They were enjoying life like they had never known anything like it before. And somehow this man, Jesus, was transforming people everywhere. Well, word got back to his hometown of the things that were happening. And as it got back to his hometown, he went to the synagogue. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4, that was his regular habit on the Sabbath. This ought to be our regular habit on the Sunday when we gathered together. And he came into the synagogue and he opened up the scroll of Isaiah. They handed it to him, already open. And he began to say these words. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Wow. That's quite a statement, isn't it? That's the kind of statement you don't want to say unless it's true. And if it's true, you know it's true because there is that presence of Jesus that is living inside you that you cannot deny. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Don't you love it when you... Find a place, in Luke, like in Luke chapter 4, where God says, because, or therefore, or something like that. Because he has something he wants us to hear. And Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. I remember when I went through a, a very down time in life. I was pastoring up at the Green Church, just north of here. And up, up in that wonderful area and everything, I was living in a church parsonage that had black mold. Now, I believe your dad knows about black mold somewhat, because he had a same experience somewhere else. And I got very, very ill. The black mold was so bad that I had a mixed beagle basset dog that got so sick that she was giving off milk, even though she'd never had puppies. That's how bad it was. And the church tried to clean it up. The insurance company came in. But I had reached a point of brokenness inside because I was ill. 
And I can remember one day I, I got to the point, I turned to my wife and I said, I said, wife? No, I didn't say it like that. But I said, Barb, I think I need to take some time off and get my health back. We were just starting to figure out what the problem was. We didn't realize it looked like blue cheese and big clumps in the basement. We didn't even know it was there. And I took some time off and we went to some revival services. And I can remember one of the problems we had was once we discovered, I guess we already knew that we had black mold. One of the things we discovered was all our fabric stuff in the house had to be burnt. You know, couches, beds, all that kind of stuff. Wood stuff, we could wipe down with Lysol and things like that and clean them up. And I would do that. And immediately I would store them in a bin, get them out of the house. We had a storage uh, spot uh, out, out by Fowler that I would take them to. As soon as I got them out of the house, everything was clean. We got them out of the house. We had to get them out of the house. But the fabric stuff, the couches, the stuffed chairs, the things you like, the things that are soft and feel good, I couldn't do anything with those. I had to burn them. But the problem was, how you, I couldn't put them out by the road. Somebody else would take them. And they would take those spores from the black mold into their homes. And I couldn't have that happen. And I, I carried them out. I put them in the garage. I said, I've got I to burn these things. But every time I went to burn that furniture, guess what happened? I bawled. I cried. All our possessions basically would go up in flames. I was trying to think, how can I hold on to these things that God has given to us? How can I hold on to these things? And yet I can't hold on to them because I do. It's a death sentence. It's a, it's a sickly thing. Well, we went to those revival services. I can remember on one Wednesday night, the Lord spoke to me. And I felt something different. I had been so broken I had reached the point, I said, Lord, either take me home or fill me like I've never been filled before with your presence. Consume me, Lord. I, I, I never really prayed much to be filled, but I didn't pray a lot to be consumed by the Holy Spirit. And you know what happened? He did. But I didn't realize all that he did until the next morning because I went back to the parsonage. I went into the garage, and there was all my, a stack of all our stuff. I carried out in the back of the, of the lot that we lived on, up by, by the Mosquito Lake, and I lit it on fire. And I hardly knew I had done that, and I looked at it, and it was a huge black smoke coming up. You're not supposed to do that, by the way. The smoke was coming up. And I found myself, suddenly I was in a praise filled atmosphere. My furniture, my goods, what I own, clothing, the whole work, it was burning and I was praising God for it. Now that's an act of God. That's not what we humans normally do, do we? We can complain real good. We can do all kinds of things. But when the Spirit of God grabs hold of you, He changes circumstances. Does He not? Oh, praise God, he changes the circumstances. Or oh, we moved out of there. God opened up for us to live over in Yankee Lake, Ohio, where I live to this day. And I haven't been the pastor of that church for 16, 17 years, I suppose. But God knew what we needed in advance. 
Have you ever tried to think how smart God is? He knew we needed to get rid of that furniture because that was part of our earthly goods. We were holding on to it. That was important. But there's nothing more important for our own individual life than being filled with, consumed with, the Holy Spirit of God. We ought to be walking every day in his presence. Oh, I find people all the time that are walking in his presence. Uh, Friday, yeah, just Friday. Uh, I had to get a, a big piece of heavy pipe. I'm building a, a cart, and I needed something for an axle. So I went to the junkyard. And I go to the junkyard, and, and I tell them what I want. They said, well, Bill will take you out back, and he'll get that for you if we have it. And they did. And we go back there, and here's this old guy comes walking out. Now, I'm an old man, too, so I understand. He's walking kind of slow. You know, you know how that works? Some of you do. It's not like it used to be, is it? Nope, not a bit. And we got to talking. And the first thing I know, he's handing me two booklets of daily bread. And he says, hey, take one and read it yourself and give one away. Here's a guy that's witnessing in his own way for the Lord. And we got to talking and had some wonderful fellowship. God's people are everywhere. And he's filling his people everywhere. I'm going to tell you something. In this day and age that we're living, the church of Jesus Christ needs to be filled to the top with the Holy Spirit. We are in the last days. Let me say that again. We are in the last days. We're coming to the end of the church age. We're very close. All the signs and the prophecy that are being fulfilled all around us, it is so astounding. You can't keep up with it, what God is doing around the world. Have you noticed just in our own country the difference in attitude with people as we draw nearer to the tribulation and the rapture just before that? Have you noticed the economic woes that we have here? You know, for a Christian, yes, we do plan ahead. But we also have this attitude that we will trust in the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, all our strength, and we know God will show us the way. And we walk with brain power, heart problems, filled with the Holy Spirit in a world of darkness. We're different. We're different. And the peace of God comes upon us, even in strenuous times. I really believe that the rapture of the church is very close. If you ever look at my website, Ablaze by God, Facebook, gmail.com, it's always about prophecy. A few years ago, when I was at the General Assembly, I, I, I started reading some, a book on prophecy, and I couldn't put it down. And, I, I, and this has been going on for almost 20 years. It's been my heart's desire to see what God's doing and, and to be in tune. And you know what I find about studying prophecy? I find when I study prophecy, I get more excited about Jesus. He's going to come. He's about to break through. He's doing things that have never been done before. I believe with all my heart. In fact, that group that I uh, teach tomorrow is all on Revelation. Prophecy. Prophecy is history before it happens. And you know, the only one that can do that accurately is God. He's the only one that can do that. You know, you get a lot of soothsayers in this world. I don't pay any attention to them. Somebody mentioned somebody that's a soothsayer. I probably don't even know who they are anyway. But you know what? When God says it in his word, his word jumps out at us. I've been reading a book. I do read books once in a while. 
more Kindles and books. But this is one I came across, it's called As It Was in the Days of Noah. We are living just like it was in the time of Noah. Do you realize that in the time of Noah, there was probably estimated 8 to 12 billion people on the planet? That's astounding when you think about it. You had all those years and everything right up to the, to the time of Moses, uh, Moses, Noah. And not only that, they all rejected God. This book begins with uh, something that has caught my attention. It keeps me thinking about how important it is to walk in the Spirit and to walk with the Lord. Here, here's how it begins. Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, somebody nodded their head. Good. I know we're all ready then. A flood is coming. God is going to destroy this earth, including you, unless you repent. This was the core of Noah's message. Simple, to the point, no beating around the bush. This preacher's sermon was plain, straightforward, and even used as object lessons to illustrate the message's main point, the building of a very big boat. Noah's audiovisual sermon lasted 120 years. And then the flood came and destroyed them all just like that. But there's a bit more to the story. While describing the flood drama, what is often lacking amid tales of the old man in the ark, its animal kingdom occupants, and the terrible water judgment is how God felt about the whole affair. We know in the end he brought judgment, but we fail to mention that the catastrophic event which annihilated mankind initially flowed not from a furious fist, but from a broken heart. And you know, as I look at the world around us and the things men are doing, the wars, the rumors of wars, and everything else, I see God with a broken heart. A broken heart. Now, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're told not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to say or do anything that will offend him or hurt him. Because I believe that when he looks at the world, he's got a broken heart. And the only answer to the broken heart is the filling of God in our hearts. The filling of the Holy Spirit our hearts. Oh, so many people today don't look at just Jesus. I, I got family members that, oh, they go online and, and I'm embarrassed by the things they say sometimes. And I come on and I argue with them. I got a lot of good people at, 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 Hubbard, at the Hubbard Church who can do a much better job than I can because they're family. I have some that are so indoctrinated by the ways of the world that they reject Christ, and it breaks my heart. Day by day, all day long, I'm constantly in, praying without ceasing, constantly praying for their souls to be turned over to the living God, to experience the one who said, I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. And I'm waiting for the answers to come. I've changed my way of praying, too, lately. I've got a grandson that I'm very concerned about. He's facing the judge downtown. He's been locked up for 450-some days, rightly so. And we're asking God to do a miracle. That, and he's already come to know the Lord. Do any of you know Tom Gabershack for the jail? 
oh, good. This is a, he's a wonderful guy. But I got a hold of him, and I said, how do I get my grandson a Bible? See, they had a problem down there. The problem was these prisoners were doing two things with Bibles. They were lifting weights. You know, a good heavy Bible, that will build up your muscles. You need to build up your spiritual muscles, too. But they also had an actual Bible play at one place, and they had to take them away. And Tom says, I'll tell you what, send it, have it sent to me from Amazon, and I'll get it to him. Well, he, my, my grandson, he's got a low IQ. He's not all that bright, but I get, we got that Bible to him. And lo and behold, he says, where should I read? I said, read the book of Jonah. I want something that would get his interest. And he read the book of Jonah. Took him a while, but he read it. And I'd be ask, asking questions, and then there came the important time to say, you know Jesus Christ is your own Savior. And by that time, he said yes. Now, he's still locked up. He's got to face justice and mercy. Our God is a judge of justice. He's one of mercy. Amen? They both go wrong. He, he won't violate that. You know, that's all I ran into at the junkyard the other day. I mentioned uh, that God is, is full of justice and mercy. He says, yes, but he never defiles his justice with mercy. And there's a lot of truth to that. But I'm excited because I've changed the way I pray now. I heard these stories coming out of someplace like Iran. Or these imams, you know, that's like, you know, get these kahuna or whatever. Uh, in Islam, they're, 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 they're in charge of the religious part of the, of of Iran, and, and they'll be sleeping at night, and the Lord Jesus will come into their room or send an angel and say, go down to such and such corner. There's a guy coming. He's got something to tell you. And they'll go down there, and the one they saw in their dream was exactly what they find when they go down to this corner or wherever it is, and they're coming to Christ. So I've been befriending this different. You know, I've been around the church a while, you know, 50-some years. It's been part of my life. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. But I found Christ at Malone College down in Canton, you know, many years ago. But you know what? I've been changing how I pray. I look at people who need to know the Lord. I say, you know, God, can I really do this? At first, this is how I felt. But then I said, I will do it. I talked to some others about how to pray. And this is what I started doing. I started saying, you know, this person over here, Father, he needs you. Will you supernaturally get a hold of him? Will you send the right person at the right time, either yourself or an angel or a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, but let it be a supernatural event that you disturb him on the inside for his soul and it brings him to know you as Lord and Savior. I guess I'm a little tired of business business as usual in the church. I've seen it for years. You have too. I have a good friend, Matt, who goes to a, a church not too far from here. Matt and I, for the last seven or, years, seven or eight years, we've been praying together. Every Tuesday and Thursday night on the phone. He's usually coming home from Craftmade where he works. I always say, don't close your eyes when you're praying because he's driving. Sometimes he pulls over, sometimes he doesn't. And I, that always worries me. Sometimes I say, why don't you call me when you get home? But we pray. And we always pray this prayer in the last seven or eight years. 
Lord, at our own churches where we're at, we're sick and tired of business as usual. You ever feel that way? If you do, put your hand up there. I'm just curious. Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone. Business as usual. So we're praying that, that the Holy Spirit of God will walk into the congregation, the, our churches, and other churches that we mentioned by prayer, and would disrupt the congregation in such a way that every heart would be grabbed by the holiness of God and cleansed of all sin. My Monday group that I teach tomorrow, and you're invited to come, Papa Louie's at Brookfield, 11 o'clock tomorrow. We started doing something that goes along this line. A couple of weeks ago, about, oh, about a month and a half ago, I guess, I each gave him a piece of paper. And on that, I said, when you go back to your homes, I want you to pray for the Hubbard Church this way. Because a lot of them are from Hubbard. And, or there's other churches, but from the Hubbard Church. And on those pieces of paper, everybody had something different. One person had to pray for the pastor, that he would have the anointing of God on him when he walked up to that pulpit on a Sunday morning. Another person got one that says, as soon as people pull in the driveway, let them be met by the Holy Spirit even before they get that far. See, we decided to cheat how we pray. We're going to cheat against the devil's ways. Lord, would you get a hold of our Sunday school teachers that when they give their lessons, would they be so filled with God that when the lesson's given, every child will know you as Lord and Savior. We pray for the praise team. First, that they won't be off-key. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding on that one. But we pray for the praise team. Lord, would you make their music not just words that they've heard a million times old, but let it be from you, Lord, right out of heaven, filled with the presence of God. By the way, I felt that this morning when your music was going on. I felt that. That's important to me. I love music. I can't carry a tune, but I love music. And often at home, my wife goes, works at Children's Services. She goes every morning about 8.30. Once she's out of the house, I can turn up the, the music, and I can sing, and nobody's going to know about it but me and the Lord. You know when you sing in church or at home, you have one audience that you're singing for. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So we pray for the praise team. We pray for the guys on the sound booth up there, that they'll get it right. You know, anything can happen with those instruments up there. Do you realize that? Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. We pray for them. We're praying for whoever has the morning prayer or whatever. We're praying for everything at Hubbard for this to happen. About two weeks ago, when we got together, I had, I said to him, said, I'm, usually, I, I'm not there a lot on, on Sunday mornings. I'm there Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, but sometimes I, I have to be elsewhere. And I said to the group, I said, have you seen anything God has done with your prayers? You know, we ought to ask questions like that. Is God answering our prayers? If he isn't, why not? Is he just being slow? I wanted to say something. When he's slow, he's on target. He knows what he's doing. And we need to trust him there. And they started sharing around the table and the pizza. And it was amazing. 
Boy, the pastor have a good sermon. We all like to hear that, don't we, as pastors? We all like it when we do get good sermons. Oh, did you notice what happened there and, and there and how people came to the altar and things like that? See, where God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they're searching for the Holy Spirit, they got the peace of God in them because of the Holy Spirit. Guess what happens? God moves. He moves. He moves. Wow. God moves. You know, he doesn't sit still. I remember many years ago, I was out at Nazarene Theological Seminary. Dr. Paul Bassett gave a lecture that I will never forget as long as I live. He talked about grace. He says, there's some things about God you, ought, you need to know. He says, first, God's grace is always aggressive. Aggressive. I had never thought of those terms up to then. But aggressive, that means he's out to bring you close to him. His spirit will do that. He said, there's something else you need to know about God's grace. Intelligent. He's smarter than you. Boy, I found that in my life. I don't even, I, I'm a dunce compared to the wisdom of God who made everything. God, not only that, his grace is sufficient. Think about that. What he gives you today is enough, but you can desire more. More of Christ. That's what he wants. You know, I can say, Lord, I need a new car. Maybe I really do. Maybe I really do. Maybe I don't. Lord, make me rich or something like that. That's not God's intent. God's intent is he wants to give us the riches of Christ Jesus, the presence of Christ himself, and let that presence be in our lives forever and ever and ever and ever. That's the way it ought to be. And I don't know about you, but I want all I can get of Jesus. You know, when I think of the cross and the resurrection and the things he's done, oh, I am so grateful that he took this sinner. I was 20 years old. Let me tell you a little story. Our, what's our time today, David? Do we have time? We don't have time? We don't do time? Oh, that's good. I don't want to see you ever do time. What was I saying? <laughs> huh? Oh, story. This guy that you see in front of you, part of his testimony, he's stupid. I hope I'm not as stupid as I used to be. When I graduated high school, I, I was 178 in my class of 208. I can remember my dad and I, we, we went in to see the guidance counselor and figure out the future. And the guidance counselor looked at my dad and he says, you know what? Your son's good for nothing but digging ditches. That really happened. So we left there and my dad, bless his heart, I'm an adopted kid, he adopted me. He said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to college. <laughs> well, 178 out of 208, you want to go to college? Yes. So he sent me to Kent State, which I flunked out after two terms. And my dad said, why don't you go see my cousin, who's dean at Malone College in Canton. I went down there, he said, you can come during the summer, you've got to prove yourself. I was scared. I started improving myself. And you know what they did to me at that college? They required I take Bible classes, of all things. Oh, I started reading the scriptures. 
oh, I started reading those. And you know what? For the first time in my life, I started feeling loved. I, I'd never read anything like this before, really. It, 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 it was jumping out. You know, God's word jumps out at people. It really does. And I made it through Malone. I got my bachelor's in biology. And then God tells me sneaky. I call it sneaky, not really sneaky. He started speaking to me. He said, Dave, I want you to preach the gospel. I didn't have much use for preaching. I'd go to church, listen to music, and I was out the door. I didn't want to hear no preacher. He was asking me to preach. Now, isn't that the most ridiculous thing? Why would he do something like that to somebody that didn't even like preaching? But he did like the music. And I wrestled with him. You know, I think most preachers are no good until they've wrestled with God. Because when you wrestle with God, you submit to God. And you go where his will was. And I was doing student teaching, junior high. Say brains don't ever do junior high. But I was doing junior high. And one day, one night, the Lord said to me, Dave, do you like doing the student teaching? I said, oh, yes, Lord. He said, you're not going to like it anymore. And I hated it from that point on. I knew what he wanted me to do. You know, when I finally went off to seminary and did the things God wanted me to do, things began to fall into place. That's the way it always works. You've got to do it God's way, not your way. When the book says, this, do, don't do this or do this, you do those things because that's God's will. That's how God speaks to us, by obeying him, obedience. He wants our obedience. He doesn't just want us to sacrifice ourselves to it. He, you know, we're to be living sacrifices. We're to be co not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. But he wants us to be obedient in everything we do. And as I look at this old world around me, knowing the trumpet is going to sound. I hate brought so far. I was going to play this one, but I'm not going to now. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, but soon, God's shofar is going to sound. And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we who are yet alive will meet the Lord in the air. Amen? That's coming. Now, I don't know when it's going to come, and you don't know when it's going to come. I just know I want to walk with Jesus right now and put my life in his hands because when that trumpet sounds, I already have to be ready. It's not like I get ready when it sounds. It's too late then. I'm going. I'm, I'm ready to go. But at age 73, I, know I might see the grave first. But I'm not afraid of the grave. I may not like how I die, but I'm not afraid of the grave. You know why? Because I have a promise from God about resurrection. He is the resurrected Jesus Christ. And isn't it interesting that if you look at 1 Thessalonians 4, the first to rise out of the grave are those who have died. In fact, Paul calls them sleeping. They're, gonna, they're the first to come out of the grave. They're, they're, they're the first to be raptured. And you and I who are yet alive instantly after that. In fact, the Bible says uh, very clearly it's going to be so fast, like in the moment of the twinkling of an eye. That's how fast. Have you, any of you ever seen those pictures that artists draw where you got a whole bunch of people flying up in the sky? That's not how it's going to be. Did you know that? 
in the twinkling of an eye, you're not going to be able to look around and look at, hey, there's Joe, there's David, there's Bill, there's Susie. It's instantaneously done. Now, I, I think maybe the horn's going to sound a little bit, so we kind of, all right, it's that time. But when he calls us up to come up here, it's instantaneous. Now, God does things like that. Do you realize the moment you accepted Christ in your life, he instantaneously forgave you of your sins? Instantaneously. He didn't say, oh, well, go do this or go do that. No, no, no. You go by faith. He instantaneously forgiven you. When you invite the Holy Spirit to be Lord of your life, you know, there may, there's a process that may go on. But guess what? When you turn everything over to him, instantaneously it's done. He takes care of you. God does work that way. And I'm thankful for that. So when that day comes, whether it be today, tomorrow, right now, we have to be ready because instantaneously we're going. That put a burden on my heart because I do have those loved ones like most of you probably have who do not know Jesus. I'm doing all kinds of stuff to prepare them for being left behind. Doesn't that sound different? God put this on my heart six, seven years ago. I got a daughter that knows the Lord, a grandson that knows the Lord, and others that don't. I'm thankful for that. But one of the things I'm doing, let me, I'll just share this one thing with you, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. I suppose we're at that point. But in my Bible, as I told you, I always read the Psalms. I started doing this seven, eight years ago. I get work through a Bible about once a year. And what I've done is I underline with colored pencils. You probably can't see it from where you are. I just underline. I'm not bragging about this or anything like that. This is what I do. It helps me personally to read God's word. And then I go over and over and over a couple times. That has really helped me personally. But I do it for another reason. Because when I get it marked up sufficiently, and this is pretty close. I got another one on order. Uh, I use the New King James. Everybody's got different things that they like. But in this one here, what I have done, I've written something in the front to a grandson. When I kick the bucket, when I'm gone, kaput, whether by going up or into the grave, this will be given to him. And I've done this for a number of my grandboys uh, and granddaughters. You're my grandson, whom I love. The best gift I can give you is the Word of God, the Bible. It is the only guide for life. I've read my Bible. And you must read, study yours for the rest of your life. I pray you will become the man of God the Lord wants you to be. And then I signed it. Now, I'm in the grave. <laughs> They're at a funeral. And all my kids and grandkids, but not just grandkids, the kids are getting this. Different notes in there. In fact, sometimes I, I'm reading in some place. I might be in Psalms or, or anywhere. I'll write a personal note on that page to my grandson or granddaughter. Now, the only way they're going to know that note's there is they've got to read it. They've got to read it, and I pray that they will. But I leave something to them, not just the heritage of being a pastor's kid, which could not be good heritage all the time, or, as somebody knows personally, does it surprise you David is a PK? 
Oh, everybody's saying, oh, yeah, we never expect that. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. But you know what? I want to leave something tangible. Somebody told me, that's probably the best gift you'll ever give them. You ain't getting money. At least not much. And what can I give them that will, oh, let me put it this way, haunt them until they get into it? The Word of God. See, the Word of God never returns void to us, does it? But he sends it out to do what it's going to do. And when the presence of God is in your life and you're praying and the presence of God is in your prayers and you're praying it in the will of God, God moves. And I believe he will move even when I am in the grave or I am taken up even during the tribulation when they're still on earth and they have to face me. I'm trusting God in that area. Now, there's a lot of things you can do. Be creative on things like that. But leave something tangible for their own soul's sake. If you think that they're not going to accept Christ real soon, you need to do that. You need to do that. Because we don't want any of them to end up in hell. Right? Not a one of them. Not a one of them. You may think, well, you don't know my family. They belong there. Let me tell you, that's not true. That's not true. Jesus died for us. See, in Romans 5, it says, Christ died for the ungodly. Does that surprise you? You thought he died for the good person. Who's in church all the time. Where's the right clothes and everything? But the Bible says he died for the ungodly. That's me. And Christ has taken me, and he's changed me, and he will change them. And our job is to put in their hands the things that they need, to witness to them faithfully, and the best demonstration of Christ is how we live. How we live. That's what they watch the most. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time with these beautiful, beautiful people. I thank you that many in this room know you as Lord and Savior. But Father, perhaps there's some that have been struggling and becoming lukewarm and been pushing away. Maybe they don't even realize it. Lord, would you speak to their hearts right now? Pray this prayer quietly to the Lord. Lord Jesus, fill me, consume me with the Holy Spirit. Help me to be a reflection of who you are. And draw me close to you, Lord. Very close, Lord. Lord, I want to see you. Moses wanted to see you long ago, face to face. I want to see you too, Lord. And yet I've experienced your goodness in the cleft of the rock. And I know that tomorrow is not promised on earth, but whatever you have planned, whether it's rapture or grave and then rapture, Father, we trust you. Just lead us in the path that brings glory to you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. 
For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.